Now don't even want to cough because every time somebody coughs, they look at you like you're just spreading death to everybody. Like I said before, are you, you know, everybody here is young, like I was sharing with some of you guys before. I'm the only one in danger here uh, in this group. The rest of you guys are fine. Uh, you're all under 50, so you're good. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. <clears throat> and I can hold this like this. Are we recording here now? So everybody's going to be listening to this, or? Yeah. Well, if you're hearing this online, we are uh, recording this live from our house. Yeah. There you go. You see, you, you, hopefully that, uh, you got that. We got our campus, uh, some of the campus ministry here and young professionals here uh, with us this morning. So if you are listening to us, online and whenever you're hearing this uh, this is during the coronavirus restrictions so we can't meet at our high school like we normally do so that's why it's being recorded at the house but just the same we'll be continuing our series on exodus and today we'll be looking at exodus chapter two as soon as our whole camera crew um, is ready to start filming this you should see this crew that we have working here with us uh, this morning. We got cameras and directors. We got all a whole crew here uh, with us this morning. All in one, <laughs> all in one person. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Exodus chapter 2, uh, this is a different experience. Just preaching this like, you know, we're, we're, we're all in the, in the auditorium. Um, but I got to remember that some of you guys are listening online. So Exodus chapter 2 is we're going to be looking at. We read from Exodus 1 last week as we start the series. We went through the book of Genesis, uh, or we preached from the book of Genesis and then went into Exodus last week. Uh, in Exodus chapter 1, we talked about, or I talked about, kingdom and what, what it means to, uh, first of all, be a citizen of the kingdom, and then talked a little bit about, as citizens of the kingdom, what we're supposed to do. We're going to continue uh, with that in Exodus chapter 2, uh, and I'm going to read through it and talk a little bit about the passage, and then I like, there's some things from Exodus 2 that I want us to that I think every, I want to challenge every citizen of the kingdom to be. So let's read it together. In Exodus chapter 2. So Exodus 1, we're introduced to the Israelites and where they're at uh, currently. Like we said, they started off fine. You know, Joseph was there. He was in the, uh, uh, he helped, he was in Pharaoh's court, uh, stayed there for generations. And as the generations went on and a new Pharaoh uh, came on after Joseph had died and all of his generation died, he had no relationship with the Israelites, and then they started enslaving the Israelites. And that went on uh, for a few generations. And this is where we pick it up in Exodus 2, where Pharaoh uh, puts out this order that any Hebrew boy that's born, they need to kill. Because he's concerned about how much the community 
of the Israelites is growing. So we'll pick it up there in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levi woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a, a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. And then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of water. And that's the name Moses. Sounds a lot in Hebrew, like draw him, I drew him out of water. And, and think about, that's how God used Moses later on in life, to draw the Israelites out of Egypt. Let's just stop there for a moment and consider the scene here. You know, of what's going on. You know, we get worried. We're panicking now over a virus where 80% of people would just have it and live through it, and we should be concerned. But imagine living during this time where if you're a Hebrew and you have a boy, they're trying to kill your son. And so the mom finds herself in this situation, sees the boy, and, and I, you know, I like how it says, I don't know why it says that it was a fine child. If he wasn't a fine child, maybe he would have been in trouble. But he was a fine child, it says. And notice what it says, what she does with, with, her, with the baby. She gets him and she puts him in this. Now, in English, it translates the word, uh, the papyrus basket, but that word basket in the Hebrew is the same word as ark or sounds like ark. So think about what, you know, the author's trying to remind us, like, it should remind us of a different story. What other story is there where somebody, to save his family, builds an ark out of wood and is saved by water. Noah. Noah. And that's what it's supposed to remind us of. This is a new, it's a new Noah. She builds the ark. In fact, she even, you know, it even goes on to say how she coated it with tar and pitch. If you look at Genesis chapter 6, and it says Noah, it wasn't papyrus, it was gopher wood, but build an ark, coated the inside with pitch to save his family. So this is another attempt at saving and continuing to save the family of God. And so she placed it in the water, and think about how crazy this scene is, right? Where she puts him in the, in the Nile, and Pharaoh's daughter finds a baby. Now, that could have gone either way, because they're supposed to kill the Hebrew babies, right? So that could have gone either way. They find the baby, but it says that Pharaoh's daughter had pity on the baby, had compassion on the baby. So then Moses' sister, now obviously she didn't know that was his sister, Says, I'll find somebody to nurse him. So finds his mom. So basically, Pharaoh's daughter pays the kid's mom to nurse her own child. Now, once he, once he was weaned and he was old enough to go to Pharaoh's daughter, she had to let him go. But he survived. But here's the thing I want us to challenge us with from this story. Is as citizens of the kingdom of God, 
Challenge number one is we need to be creative. We need to be creative on how to serve, creative on how we can impact people, creative in every situation. I mean, Moses' mom here, she had to get creative. Like, what am I going to do? Giving my son up to death was not an option. She had to come up with another way. I think as citizens of the kingdom, we need to be creative. Thinking about, man, what can I do? Even in the next few weeks, but it's not just the next few weeks. Whatever our situation is in life. I think every time we, we go through a different phase in life, we struggle. We're like, man, what am I going to do now? And this is why we've got to be creative. If, you're, if, you have a, if you have small children, get creative. Don't just say, oh, I got kids. Go to the park with your kids. Meet people there. Get involved in other organizations with kids that you could impact. As a campus student, finding those in your class, you know, reaching out to those uh, in your classrooms. Where can I sit? What groups can I be a part of where I can meet people and impact them? Finding different ways to serve. Everyone always has many reasons of why they can't do something. When we ask people, what's keeping you from something? There's always a big list from that. We have to be creative and start thinking, what can I do and how can I do it? What can I do and how can I do it? There's too many, in the citizen, too many citizens in the kingdom of God who are just, we, we settle for whatever the situation that we're in. We just settle. You know, we kind of like, well, this is what it is. And, and, and honestly, even in the next few weeks, all kidding aside, a lot of people just sit back and just settle like, well, we can't meet anybody and we're all, everybody's in quarantine. And so you guys sit back. I guess I'll just watch, you know, I'll catch up with whatever Netflix shows are on there and, you know, watch Netflix and eat all the canned food that I have no idea why people keep buying canned food. Uh, we still got electricity, people. You get cooked food. But anyhow, I'm going to eat all my spam and I'm going to eat all the tuna that I don't eat. And you sit back and because we're not thinking like, man, how can I use this time? Maybe I have more time now to pray. I got more time to study. Do we have a plan? If you have a week off this week, do you know what you're going to be reading this week? Did you say, you know, I have a whole week. I'm I'm normally in class or I'm normally at work for eight hours a day. Okay, so let's just think about this for a moment. Let's say you're, you're one of those that this week, let's say you're in the school system. Let's say you're a student and normally you're in class or you're, you're, you're working for eight hours a day. But let's just say students. Let's say you're in class for five hours a day. Just to throw out a number. That means this week you have an extra five hours that you weren't planning to have free. Do you have a plan for those five hours? Like, are, are we thinking about, man, how can I use those five hours to grow in my own walk with God? How can I use those five hours to impact somebody? Is there somebody I haven't spoken to in a while? Is there somebody that could use prayers? Is there somebody that could just use a phone call? I know we, maybe we can't go visit people. Many people are in quarantine, but we can still call. You can still FaceTime. Let's use our phones. Let's use technology for something other than playing games, looking at Pinterest, and watching porn. Use technology to impact people to advance God's kingdom, to grow in our own personal relationship as citizens of the kingdom. I think we need to see things through the eyes of the Spirit. See the opportunities in the midst 
of the obstacles? See the miracles that are possible even in the midst of all the mess? And look for ways that we can impact even when we're being intimidated by Satan. The second challenge, let's look in verse 11, going back to Exodus chapter 2. So challenge number one is let's get creative. Let's get creative on how we could impact, on how we can grow, on how we could advance, how we could share the gospel and serve the people around us. And, you know, honestly, one more thing with that is I think during this time, look, Man, I, I love meeting together on Sunday also. I love our gatherings. I love that, the freedom to be able to, be able to meet together. That's one of the things that we are grateful for. Think about all the Christians throughout the world that can't meet publicly anyhow. You know, we wonder why, you know, in some of these other places in other countries where Christians can't meet, why their prayer life is what it is, why they fast like they do, why they have the relationships they do, because they got to do this kind of stuff all the time. They got to get creative. I think we, we were, you know, we don't get creative sometimes because somebody else is being creative for us. Someone else is thinking through where we're going to meet, what time we're going to meet, what we're going to do, what we're going to study. I think the next couple of weeks will show a lot about how creative am I in my personal walk with God, in my Christian life as a citizen of the kingdom of God. All right, second challenge. Let's read here from verse 11 to 22. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, one day after Moses had grown up. Now, this is fast forwarding now. The first, I think this is important. Sometimes we read the Bible and we read it thinking only in like literary time. What I mean by that is we think it was like, you know, verse 10, Moses is a baby. Verse 11, he's grown up, and we don't stop and think, like, how long did that take? Because as you're reading, it took one verse. But in real life, he's 40 years old now. Like, time has gone by. He's 40. You know, that's what many believe. In Acts, that's what it says, that when he was 40. So, growing up, like, 40 years have gone by. I think sometimes we read the scriptures, make sure you know, or you stop and think, like, how much time? Because we, we realize the time it takes to develop some of these characteristics, the time it takes to go through things. You know, we all want to, uh, uh, we, we look at some of the, the heroes in the Bible and heroes in the faith, and we admire their faith, we admire their, their character. We're like, man, I want to have that kind of faith, but to have that kind of faith, we got to go through their kind of struggles, their kind of challenges. So one day after Moses had grown up, verse 11, he went out to where his own people were, and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way, looking this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. That's not the challenge. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs 
to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to the rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to rule uh, their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? Uh, Ruel asked, asked his daughters, why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his, and then gave his daughter uh, Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. All right, let's stop there. A couple things to point out there. Again, a lot of time has gone by. He's 40, and even the time where he meets uh, this later on, uh, role is, is you, you'll see the name Jethro. Jethro probably be more like his title. Um, but the time he meets that family, then he gives a daughter. Again, it's only a few verses in the Bible, but years go by. But a couple of things, and, and, and I know this is not good for our recording, but there's a couple of things in this story uh, about Moses that should that, that stand out to me. What are a couple of things that stand out to you about Moses from these verses? If you're listening to us, a lot of hands are going up. I'm just having a hard time trying to figure out who to... Who to pick? You should see this group here. Everybody's just clamoring to answer uh, and participate. I wish you could see this scene. Oh, wait, some of you are going to be watching this scene. But look at Moses here. I just love that in every situation he's in, he's always looking to how he can advocate or rescue or help someone else. Okay, notice how Moses, in all these situations, you're like, man, there's something about this guy's character. How he's always, he's advocating, right, for the Hebrew, even the one in the wrong, then the women. It's almost like he didn't learn this lesson. He has to leave Egypt. Then she's a woman, and he helps them. And I guess it's like a natural occurrence. They get back, and that's like, wow, that was quick. You know, back then, on a side note, uh, women being the shepherds was a very common occurrence. In fact, probably a lot of them were, were the, the, the daughters that would do this. So that was a very common occurrence. They would go out, uh, and they were the ones watering. But one thing about Moses is, man, notice his character, but again, how old is he at this time? He's 40. And so, and look, I'm just saying to make it like real life, what was he doing the first 40 years? Like now he noticed? And the reason I say this is because sometimes we can say like, we can get down either ourselves or our people, but you know, okay, so it took him 40 years before he went out. But some, somehow, God was putting this on his heart, on his mind. And notice, the other thing is, when they meet Moses, right, when uh, uh, Jethro's daughters meet Moses, what do they say he is? In verse 19, it says, an Egyptian... An Egyptian rescued us. He didn't even look like a Hebrew. He probably spoke like the Egyptian. I mean, they called him an Egyptian. He wasn't an Egyptian. But I, I think, you know, and, and we're, if we're not careful, even though he was part of God's, of who would be God's people, and obviously the family of God, the line of Israel, he stopped looking like he was part of the line of Israel. And I think we got to make sure, man, in our lives, when people see us, do we look like we're from a different kingdom? 
like if you go back next week and you get all excited this week, and hopefully you do, and you spend more time with God, and you're like, man, I'm going to make a difference in my job, and I'm going to try to find a way to be kind to people, to love people, and, and start conversations with people. If people that have known you find out you're a Christian, will they be surprised? Will they be like, really? You're a Christian? Or will they be like, oh, that explains it. That explains why you're so kind to everybody. Why you're patient, why you are the way you are. Like, would that, would that explain your behavior or would people be surprised? I think with Moses, I mean, I don't know what's going on. Obviously, we don't know a lot about uh, that whole time. And, and like I've said before, in Acts 40 years, don't go by, you know, that's a round number. But it took some time for him to mature, for him to grow. But when the time came, and, and one day he just started going on, and said, I'm going to go visit my people, the character that he had. But here's, here's my challenge. From Acts, from the, my second challenge from Exodus chapter 2. As citizens of the kingdom of God, one, to be creative, and secondly, to be concerned. To be concerned. It took Moses a while, but man, one day he started getting concerned. He started caring. I don't mean concerned like, Anxious, right? Not like concerned, like I said. Not, it's, it's to, to me, honestly, uh, times like this of kind of like this, this chaos, uh, um, I don't even know if I should admit this. I kind of enjoy the chaos. It's, it's, it's interesting to me. Seeing how people are is interesting to me. I know I've joked a lot about the toilet paper. That's just interesting to me. It's like, I don't, why are we getting 50 rolls of toilet paper. Like, is there an apocalypse coming? Do I not know? If I run out of 40 rolls of toilet paper and the stores are not open, I don't think I'm going to be too concerned about toilet paper. I think we're going to have greater concerns at that point if there's a month and stores are still closed. Why are we getting cases and cases of water? We're not in the desert, people. There's water. I know you might not like water from your sink, but it's still drinkable. And for good God, why are we getting canned food? This is not a hurricane. I think we live in Florida, and Floridians, we only know hurricanes. So when there's an emergency, we go in like hurricane behavior. Canned food. There's seriously, there's no tuna. At the supermarket, there's like tuna. Hey, amen. Let me, ask, let me move on here. To me, though, it's like it's interesting seeing what people care about in times like this. You know, when the pressure's on, what do we care about? What are we concerned about? You know, when, when and man, look, if you're listening, you're here, you're listening, and I don't say things, I say these things to myself, this is human nature, I'm not saying this to, to, to uh, guilt anyone out, but it is to kind of reflect on how we are. You know, even as, as in times like this, when the economy gets hit and we start thinking, man, I wonder, am I going to have a job? Most people are more concerned, well, not most, all of us get concerned, am I going to have a job, but are we thinking about, man, what about the rest of the people that work with me? People that are in more need than I am. People that work, you know, that have hourly wages and are the ones that are supposed to take care of their families, who, don't, who aren't making any money now. Uh, do, we, do we concern ourselves with them? Do we care, you know, in that sense about what's going to happen to them or what's happening to them right now? You know, 
Some, yeah, we get, some people I'm familiar, you know, they buy five big Costco or BJ packs of toilet paper because they can. There's other people, a lot of people, even in the U.S., they can't do that. They're living week to week. They don't, they don't have the money to buy, they can, they can afford to spend 20, buy 20 rolls of toilet paper and canned food because they don't have that kind of money. They're living week to week. And now they're going into a two-week stretch where if they're an hourly worker, they're not going to have any income. Are we sitting back and saying, man, what about them? Yeah. And, and, man, that's our, and look, that's all of us. That's our human nature. Yeah. That's why this challenge is really the challenge is for those that are in the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, we have the spirit. And, and if we tap into the spirit, the spirit helps us to think about others. The Spirit helps us to be concerned for others, to care about others. In the world, it's not like that. Right? In the world, there's nobody in line saying, man, I see that I took all the water. Would you like a case? Or would you like this? You, you know, uh, in the world, there's no concern for one another. That's up to us as citizens of God's kingdom to have concern, to care. You know, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 36, and Angelica shared about this last week, um, that Sunday. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And to me, that's the challenge, is to have that kind of concern, is to look in the crowds and when we look at the crowds, do we see people that are harassed and helpless, or do we see just a hassle? Do we look at crowds and like, oh, man, a crowd of people. Are crowds a hassle, or are they harassed? You know, do we see them with the, the hopelessness uh, that they have, or do we see them as just stumbling blocks for what we want to accomplish or what we want to do? I want to challenge us to have this kind of concern that Jesus has when he saw the crowd. The kind of concern that he writes about in the, or, he, or he shares about in the parable of the Good Samaritan. The kind of concern that, that we read about with Nehemiah, you know, who's cupbearer, but his brother comes back and tells him the, the state of Jerusalem, and it says he fasted and he prayed. The kind of concern that we read about David having in 1 Samuel 17, when he goes out to the front line and he sees the Israel army being scared of this one giant, he's like, what are, you, what are we doing? That kind of concern. The kind of concern that Paul had as he walked through Athens and saw these statues to all these different gods, even to one that said an unknown god. Like, I think he just walked through there. When you read that in Acts 17, and I think he just walked through there and saw all these gods. He's like, man, these people need help. I want to challenge us to have that kind of concern. Concern for the lost, a concern for the weak, a concern for the overlooked, a concern for the outsiders, to have a concern that stirs you into commitment, to have that kind of concern, a concern that, that shakes us at our core and makes us commit. I think as, you know, as Christians, we, we settle for commitment. Even as a, look, even as, as a church leader, and I think in the ministry, we settle for commitment instead of trying to stir concern. We sit up for commitment. Hey, just commit. Just get here. Just get here every Sunday or just show up. 
Show up to midweek. Get here on time if possible. And I think some people even, and then as Christians, I think sometimes we get set up for that commitment. Like, hey, I show up, I get there, I get there on time. But we're not really looking to be stirred into this, be stirred into commitment. Where we are so concerned that we are committed. Where we're so concerned about our personal growth that we commit to being close to God. Where we're so concerned for the people that don't know God that, we com- that we're committed to sharing the gospel. Where there's so much concern for those in need that we commit ourselves to helping those in need. You know, and I, and I recently, it was a class, I went, went to this class uh, at a conference uh, we were at, and it was a great class. And, and you know, this guy has a church where they, they go out and they serve their community and they do all these great things. 80% of the people in the church serve. They put it together. So I go to this class. I'm like, man, how do you have 80% of your members? And it's a pretty big church. 80% are serving. But it's all in one week. And they come up with these plans. And it's awesome. Look, don't get me wrong. One week, almost everybody is is involved and they're serving. But then someone asked the question is, what happens the rest of the year? Like, does that carry over? And he said, no. Everybody serves that one week, but then throughout the year. See, and look, that's awesome. That, I mean, that's great. Serve, and have this, and everybody gets involved. But if it doesn't, there's still a lack of concern there. See, I don't want to settle for that kind of commitment. I don't want to settle for, man, I'm committed to serving once a month. I'm committed to serving here. I, I want to be concerned. When we're walking around, say, man, how can we meet needs? And how can you, you know, we can all do it. And look, um, my wife and I share about this all the time. Like even with, with, with uh, through our fostering and, and it's not for everyone. Maybe it's not for everyone, but it's for most people. You know, over 60% of the sex trafficking for girls comes out of group homes. In the foster system, over 60%. A few years back, uh, in, in, in about 2013, 2014, there were states where they found 80% of those, when they, when they busted sex trafficking rings, almost 80% of the girls came out of the foster system. You know, the thing about that is, you know, we're, so we look at sex, just to use as an example, so we look at that, we're like, man, that's such a terrible thing. But we know where they're going to fish. That's what we need to set up shop. What can I do to make a difference there? And if it's not in that, man, look around. There are so many concerning things in this world. Right? I mean, I think everybody can look around and say, man, I'm so con- Are you concerned enough to commit? Are you concerned enough to commit? You know, social injustice. Be- Regardless of whatever our political affiliations, I don't think politics is the answer. The church is supposed to be the answer. We're not supposed to leave it up to the government. We're not supposed to yes, you know, leave it up to whoever is uh, uh, the president or the governor or your senator or the mayor. This is the church's responsibility. If there's a concern, then commit. Social injustice, the state of this world. 
Yes, you look at the things that, there, there are so many things in this world that are okay that are not okay. Yeah. But I think even as Christians, we don't get concerned enough to commit, to say, man, we've got to teach these things. You know, sin, we, we, as I talked about last month, sin means missing the mark. The mark is Christ. Not being like Christ is missing the mark. Man, it's not okay. Christ concerned himself with the needy. Christ concerned himself with the relationship with the Father. Christ concerned himself for those that were around him. If we're going to be like Christ, then we need to concern ourselves with these same things. You know, be concerned about the sin in our own hearts. Be concerned. You know, it's one of the things with, with you know, when we have things like this, like this virus, which, again, man, this is something... That, I'm 50. I've never seen this in my life. Never. And, and you know, in my 45 years, just kidding. Uh, in my 53 years, like, I don't remember a time where there was something like this that's international. Or, but here's the, 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 to me, again, the interesting thing is that when times like this, people start reflecting on, like, man, I could die. Okay, just a little, just to, to let you in on something. We're all going to die. Even without the coronavirus, you're still going to die. And to me, it's just interesting how nobody ever thinks about that. Even, and, and this is where I think as citizens of God's kingdom, man, we got to help people not to scare people, but we should live like, man, I'm concerned. When there's sin in my life, I should be concerned. I shouldn't just be trying to cover it up, hope nobody finds out, you know, why are you talking to that? We should be concerned about the things that are going to separate us from our relationship with God, the things that can steal my faith, being concerned, confessing, repenting. My challenge is have a concern that leads to commitment. Here's my third challenge. Verse 23 of Exodus chapter 2. During that long period, and the author here is like, no, like a lot of time went by. A lot of time goes by. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help, uh, and they, they cried for help because of their slavery, went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. My third challenge, right? <laughs> for those that are citizens of God's kingdom. And let me just clarify, even if you're not a citizen yet, even if you haven't uh, repented and been baptized into Christ, uh, it's a cha- even if you want to be a citizen of God's kingdom, I want to challenge us all with this. Be concerned. Be creative. And thirdly, cry out to God. The thing about this is, how long did it take the Israelites before they started crying out this way? Again, that's interesting to me, but it's so human-like. You know, how long does it take before we start groaning and we start crying out to God? And it says here, you know, God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant. He's not saying, it's not like God forgot. God's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I made this covenant. What he's trying to say is like, God's like, okay, finally, you guys woke up. Finally. It wasn't about God remembering. They remembered who they're supposed to cry out to. As citizens of God's kingdom, 
Man, do we, you know, if, if I say Jesus Lord, and that's, you know, when I got baptized, and, and, and when you get baptized, you say Jesus Lord, and you're not just accepting him as Lord, you're making a declaration. In fact, when we take the communion together, it's not about, you know, the bread and the juice or the little cups. Uh, today we'll be celebrating communion with, with a barbecue burgers and some chips. This might get me into trouble as this goes out online. Send your emails and texts to uh, Johnny Rails. He's our resident teacher. Uh, he says it's okay, so please, any emails and texts to, uh, to Johnny Rails uh, on the subject heading line. But here's the thing. We get so concerned about what we're having for communion. But you know every time we take communion, the Bible says we are declaring. We're declaring the, the, the message of the cross. Like, we're declaring, like, we're, we're saying, man, I believe this. I believe that Jesus resurrected. I believe he's returning. I believe he is Lord. See, and I think when we become disciples and you say, you know, you accept Jesus as Lord, you're not just accepting him as Lord. You're declaring that he is Lord. My question is, do we pray that way? Do people see us living that way? Do we live like, man, we, we serve a greater king? We're part of a greater kingdom. We pray to a God for whom everything is possible. You know, when we looked at Genesis 1, I talked about this. You know, one of the, the, way I, one of the summaries I would have for Genesis 1 is God said it, and it was so. Like, I was trying to tell us, man, if once God says it, it happens. Do we pray that way? Do we walk around with that kind of confidence? Even in our times of struggle, even in our times, you know, we're, we're having problems and, and, and things around us look like they're a mess, are we still praying? Like, man, we're praying to the one who could do anything. Do we go after God in this way? I, I love Psalm 42, how the psalmist writes it there. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Psalm 42. Psalm 42. And I, I, I think about this psalm all the time because I think about a deer. Now, if a, why does a deer pant for water? Because he's thirsty. And you know why he's thirsty? Because he's probably, he's running. And I, nobody's panting who's just sitting there. That's one of my things also. And look, again, not to make anybody feel bad. Drinking Gatorade while watching TV is another interesting thing to me. So I'm like, the, the electrolytes are not going down. You're fine. You're not sweating. Uh, you know, drink your Hawaiian punch, extra sugar. Um, but that's what, I could, that's what I think about. You know, again, I know some of us, we like Gatorade. So, amen. It's a personal, just a personal thing. You know, sometimes we don't cry out to God. And we don't pant because we're not even trying. We got nothing to pant about. You know, we're not concerned. We're not out there saying, man, how am I going to change? We're, you know, we're not having people that we're reaching out to who aren't changing. And we realize I've run out of options. The only one that's going to change this person is God. Right. Yeah. We're not, 
involved in situations where we realize, man, I don't know what else to do here. I got to go to God. We're not reaching, I believe, the inner parts of our being. When we reach that part of our character, we realize, man, I am not growing in this area. You know, when we stop comparing ourselves to the people around us and we start comparing ourselves to the one that we're supposed to follow, then we do that. But we settle. You know, we look to the side and we're like, well, I'm doing better than so-and-so, so I guess I'm okay. So we're not crying out. But when we start looking at Jesus and looking at our own character and start realizing, like, man, there are things here that I've been working on my whole life that aren't changing. What I'm saying is instead of settling for that, cry out. Be that deer that pants. Be that deer and says, God, change this in me. Help me to have this kind of love. Help me to have this kind of compassion. I want to have this kind of mercy. I want to walk with that kind of confidence. Man, are we crying out to connect to God, to seek his face, to seek his strength, to seek his blessings? And look, crying out is not the same as whining to God. It's two different things. I don't mean crying out like, God, why me? Why again? Another week? Why does this happen? Why does it always happen to me? Okay, that's not crying out. That's whining to God. There's a difference. And a lot of people are good at whining to God and complaining to God. Crying out is about searching his strength. His mercy, his face, is saying, God, I will pray until this happens. And it might never happen, so I'll never stop asking. I mean, that's got to be the attitude. I will be putting this before you until I see your glory. And if this never happens, man, then I'm going to be crying this out for the rest of my life here on earth. That's crying out. Crying out is about going to God with that for sure faith. What I call for sure faith is when Satan tries to tell me, like, you really think God's going to answer that? I say, for sure. You really believe he still uh, is all powerful? For sure. You're going to keep praying that same prayer? For sure. Like, that's for sure. For me, I call that, like, my for sure faith. That whatever Satan puts in my mind, I come back with, yeah, for sure. He's still... Almighty, he's still Lord, he still has the answers. James 1, 6 and 7, in fact, if you read James 1 from starting in verse 5, it says that when we ask, in verse 6, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And so even in our crying out to God, if we find ourselves, we're crying out and we're not believing, then we got to stop and say, God, we got to cry out for faith. Help me to believe. You know, like in Mark chapter 9, when he has, you know, do you believe I could do this? He's like, help me in my own belief, crying out to him. When Satan challenges you with what you believe, cry out to God. We'll finish off with this. You know, I think about, the kingdom and, and how, uh, you know, the song that we sang right before about build my life. And, and look, this is for everybody. You, you could be a citizen of the kingdom. Uh, my challenge is that we live like citizens of the kingdom. 
Because many people are just trying to build up their own life, build up their own kingdom. And, but when you're building up your own kingdom, what you're building is a Lego house that will not last. We get to be part, and God is inviting you to be part of an everlasting kingdom. So my challenge for all of us who are citizens of that kingdom, for all those that want to be citizens of God's kingdom, be creative in how you can serve. Let's stop thinking about all the things we can't do and start thinking about the things I can do. And how can I do it? How can I impact people? How can I serve people? How can I be used by God? Let's, let my, let's have a concern. A concern and a caring for people and for situations that leads us to commitment. Let's not settle for commitment. Let's have true concern. And let's cry out with that faith. Knowing that we're crying out and we're praying to the one who can do immeasurably, immeasurably more than anything we ask or imagine. A couple questions here uh, to think about. Number one, what are three ways you think you can make an impact in these next couple weeks? There's something to reflect on uh, today, tomorrow. What are three ways you can think of, you know, sit down, think about those, share with somebody? <clears throat> Secondly, what are who are two or three people that God has used to impact you? And how did they impact you? Think about those that God has put in your life that have impacted you and think, man, what, what was it that impacted me? Because however it is, first of all, be thankful for them. Second of all, pass that on to somebody else. Number three, what is something going on in the world that concerns you? And what are you doing or can you do to make a difference? You might need to think about that one. You know, what is that? There's a lot of things going on. Which is the one that you are passionate about? Which is the one that concerns you? And what can you do to make a difference? And number four, what are you crying out for now? Man, what, what's, what are you crying out for? Share that with somebody. Let's, you know, have, when you get together in smaller groups, uh, let's pray for each other for the things that we're crying out for. And would you describe your prayer life as a crying out with faith to God? Would that describe your prayer life? Let's go ahead and close out in a prayer, and then we'll have a, a song as we uh, get ready for the, a time to reflect on the message of the cross. But let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love, your mercy, your grace. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have, that even in, in circumstances like this, we're still able to gather. We're able to study your word together. We're able to fellowship, uh, connect with one another, uh, share uh, time and, and share a meal and uh, be able to spend and fellowship with one another. I pray uh, throughout the world for those, God, that are in need, and not just the physical needs, but, Father, I pray for those that are in spiritual need, that they will have... Uh, citizens of the kingdom around them, to reach out to them, to serve them, to pray for them, to share the gospel with them. I pray that for those of us here in Palm Beach that are citizens of your kingdom, that, Father, we will live a life that shows that we are citizens of a different kingdom, that we serve a greater king. Father, I pray that we will allow your spirit to uh, lead us and, and make us different. Uh, Father, let us, I pray that we'll be open to the ways that you want to Use us the way you want to uh, uh, change us. God, we want to be your vessels. 
thank you for Jesus. Father, we thank you for uh, his death, his resurrection. Father, we, we reflect on that. We remember his resurrection because through that resurrection, we're able to have this relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Ushers uh, will be at the doors, and uh, if you want to connect with the Palm Beach Church, just feel free to go by and get a connect card and fill that out. And uh... <laughs> if you want to stick around for lunch, we'll be grilling some burgers mm -hmm. for communion. Just waiting for me to open up the Hawaiian punch. Yeah, we're going to take everything out. We're going to bring out the ice out there and everything. Yeah, we're going to bring out the ice out there.